Hey everybody, welcome to Real Geek News. I'm one of your guardians of the galaxy, Kevin Andrew Rivera. We got our co-host here, Raul Ceballos. Raul, how you doing? Hello. You are also a guardian of the galaxy. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. But then we got our high evolutionary, Ted Evans. Ted, how are you, my guy? I'm angry. You are angry at the I'm world. Yelling. Yelling. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, welcome, everybody. We are here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, directed by James Gunn. So let's get right on into it. We got our ratings that we always bring up here. We got IMDb, 8.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, critic score 82%, with an audience score of 95%. Metacritic score, we got a critic score of 64%, and a user score of 7.9% out of 10. Or 7.9 out of 10, that's what I'm trying to say. No percentages on that one. Technically, it's a 79. It's almost a B. Come on. Uh, (laughs) Gentlemen, uh, let me just say off the bat on this, uh, I think this is the movie that gave me hope again for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But yeah. at the same time, flatten my hope because James Gunn is leaving the MCU. Ah, bittersweet, <laughs> so yeah. I, I think this was a spectacular movie, and I think these ratings are pretty much on, except for that user score for Metacritic, 7.9. I'm not sure why. No, the, yeah, well, and and the, critic, the critic score on Metacritic, too, is pretty low. That, too. What's up with Metacritic, man? I don't know. I think they just don't like James Gunn's writing. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. They're all run by Snyder Bros. That's all run by Snyder Bros. Exactly. Well, then, gentlemen, I want to hear some overall thoughts from you, though. Uh, Ted, why don't we start with you, my dude? Uh, What did you think of this movie going into it? How did you feel coming out? What's going through your head? You know, it's it's funny because not everyone is a James Gunn fanatic. Um, mm. You know, I've loved his stuff since Slither, you know, that horror movie yeah. back in the day is great. You know, all the practical effects. And then being the superhero guy, like, I think he's really doing a good job. I'm very curious to see The Flash, which I, he didn't have that much to do. With, but I'm, I'm curious right. to see his new stuff for sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know that he was he's the answer to every single movie that is going to come out. But he really knew what he was doing with the guardians and I think delivered on all of the kind of, you know, promises of the first one. And I really thought this was a fantastic movie, but mm-hmm. I had friends in my group chat that were like, hated it. Just what? It. Yeah. Just really? on it, thought it was emotional manipulation. Uh, it was lame, just didn't like the soundtrack okay. choices, stuff like that. I mean, it's all, it's all subjective, but mm-hmm. personally I cried. Like I saw this two days in a row. And yeah. I cried like a little baby and <laughs> and was thought some of the action was some of the best in the whole series. Dude, for real. Roll right up at you. I was pleasantly surprised. I was really worried going in because of you know, as we know of the streak that Marvel has had lately with their with their films, it's just been they're all kind of been in the middle, you know, mediocre and just kind of and I'm so happy to finally say that I can love a Marvel movie again. Mm. Um, when everything before I was just all like, eh, yeah, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I'm so happy that I don't, I don't get to say that anymore because I loved this movie. And yeah. um, I, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. There was so much emotion. And like you, like you, Ted, I cried like a little baby. I've seen this movie twice now. I saw it the first time. Uh, with with you, Kevin, when 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 it first came out, yes, sir. And then I re I rewatched it last night because I had an opportunity to go uh, to go see it, and I rewatched it last night and still 
just as good as the first time I saw it. So I'm, I'm really high on this movie. I'm hopeful that this might be a sign of better things to come with Marvel. But like you said, Kevin, we're, we're losing James Gunn. Marvel's losing James Gunn. So I don't know. I'm not holding my my breath quite yet, but at the same time, this also has me looking forward to the future of DC. Um, Dude, I mean, which, let's just talk about Adam Warlock flying around. Didn't that just give you Superman vibes ooh. all the oh, way yeah. through? Oh, yeah. Like, listen, I know the characters are completely different characters, but, like, just watching the flight sequences, you can already tell James Gunn is already thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how would I do a Superman movie? The scene I did where that? he, like, has to go save his mom as his planet's exploding, that oh, in yeah. particular looked really cool. Yeah, that, that was, was so awesome. Superman-y. Super mm-hmm. duper super manny. Yeah. Like fish eye lens, so his you know his face is like super right stretched out because he's going so fast. I thought it looked excellent. Yeah, and it's cool because it's you know you finish this movie and by the end you're so I guess most of us are very hyped about it, uh, and now we have something to look forward to for James Gunn in the future for his Superman stuff and the whole right. DC universe. Like if this movie had done very poorly in quality, I I would have been really skeptical about the DC universe afterwards. I think. Even though it's kind of like, that's that's an exaggeration of like, you shouldn't judge an entire franchise of movies off of just Guardians 3. But like, I don't know, it kind of, it's a really, I'm glad it ended up being as good as it did because it left me with a positive thought for the future of James Gunn. So I'm, I'm more psyched now about DC than I am about Marvel, which is kind of crazy. But it's just, it's just nice to have that little reboot button and just kind of start from scratch and keep going, you know? Maybe Marvel should do the same because of the whole Jonathan Major situation. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not a doctor, but you know, that's that's definitely my two cents in that as well. But uh well then gentlemen, why don't we start right on into this whole thing here? We gave our overall thoughts. Let's go from scene to scene, talk about how we feel about each thing here with the beginning of our movie. The movie opens on baby raccoons trapped in a cage. One of the baby raccoons turn out to be Rocket. We see a menacing hand reaching out for him. The scene transitions to current time Rocket where he lives in nowhere with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Their community is thriving. People are dancing, working on infrastructure. Peter Quill is drinking and passes out. At their new headquarters on Nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy are attacked by Adam Warlock, a sovereign warrior created by their high priestess, Aisha. Nebula uses an Iron Man-like suit to battle Adam, but is thrown around like a ragdoll. Groot steps in too, but is beheaded. Drax gets a few good hits in, but ultimately gets beaten by Adam. After Adam overpowers them and critically wounds Rocket, he's stabbed by Nebula and forced to flee. The Guardians realize that they're unable to tend to Rocket's wounds due to a kill switch made by the company Orgocorp embedded in him. They travel to Orgocorp's headquarters in order to find the override code. Uh, yeah, so this whole opening sequence thing was uh, pretty trippy. Um, like, I feel like we all kind of went into this knowing that Rocket Raccoon's the main center of attention for this. Um, specifically because James Gunn, that's all he could really talk about when he talked about this movie. Um, I wonder how audience goers felt who didn't watch James Gunn talk about this stuff and they just went in completely cold, not knowing what to expect, how they felt about the raccoon stuff. Um, But that all being said, uh, the Peter Quill passing out thing, did any of you guys like see that scene and go, oh my God, that's from the trailer. I thought that was going to be like halfway through the movie. Geez, here it is in the first five minutes of the movie. 
where he's passing, he's passing out. I didn't even see that in any of the, the marketing him, him passing really? out from being drunk. Oh, you're talking about, are you talking about when they're carrying him out? Yeah. When they're carrying him out, he's completely wasted and passed right, out. Right, right, right. And you know, yeah. that was a prosthetic, right? That was a, uh, yes, that was a I oh, saw that yeah. James Gunn put out that video on social media. That was so fascinating. It looks so realistic. Somebody did an amazing job at something that seems like they could have just had him lie in somebody's heart. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah. like, wow, incredible. Was this really yeah. necessary? Like, that's <laughs> Probably not. not. Probably not. I, I think you heard the... It was a psych out because it was, you know, we think, oh, Star-Lord's going to die or something. Right. That's what I thought going into this one. Someone's going to die. And, oh, yeah. The, yeah. The marketing was not... First of all, the marketing was not shy on showing, like, Oh, this is going to focus a lot on Rocket. And also the marketing was not shy on on really putting it out there like someone could die. Like they really kind of made you think this was going to happen to somebody. And the movie was actually pretty good about at different points making you think, oh, is this person going to die? Oh, no, this person's going to die. Oh, no, this person's going to die. Just like kind of <laughs> like messing with your head. But mm-hmm. Yeah, the the marketing was pretty strong about that. Wait, Ted, is that the reason why your buddies were like, "Oh, it's emotionally like making me th- making me blah blah blah." I had another friend who was kind of on it, and he he said that it was like, "Oh, it's kind of toothless," because mm-hmm. and like they should have killed somebody off. And I was thinking, uh, I mean, they killed an entire planet of animal people. Yeah, like, all there's a lot of people getting killed. I mean, yeah, <laughs> friends like not here. enough, not enough. Not Someone death, I rock it at least. More death. <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like this first scene. I really like the the intro with the uh, with, with the song Creep. And we're just watching Rocket. He's playing the song and he's just like walking through nowhere, just kind of checking up on this and that. And we're just focused on him this whole time on this one um on this single shot. And it's so fascinating how much emotion comes through in the animation of rocket i i'm so impressed with how they've been able to do this with rocket and get you so connected with him that whole time where he's walking around nowhere and it's focused on him it just his face you can tell he's going through something he's thinking about something it makes you i, I was going what is he thinking about I was, what, what's going on in his head it's just it's like that i uh i totally laughed when adam warlock burst in through the window I, I thought it was so funny the first time because you just don't see it coming. You know, he just ripped yeah, through. Yeah. How did Adam Warlock know that he was in that window? Like, that's hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah. He was specifically yeah. going after him, right? I mean, that's the whole reason why. Yeah, exactly. No, that part was brutal, man. I was That whole opening scene with Adam Warlock just coming in and beating the shit out of everybody. I was not expecting this movie to start off so quickly with, with that much intensity. And he's just like knocking him down i mean drax nebula quill i mean none of these guys were able to get you know the 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 upper hand on him yeah i think i think this is also you know the whole thing we've been talking about how we thought everybody was gonna die basically when this scene started and he you know adam warlock throws nebula and chucks her like a rag doll i was like she's dead that girl's dead but then I forgot, from, you know, I remembered she had that ability to heal and whatever. But then she, then he, de, you know, decapitates Groot. I'm like, he's dead. Oh, wait, no, he has that ability to go back and grow back as a tree. And yeah. then he then he started punching out Drax. He's dead, right? Okay, is he dead? Come on. Is he dead or not? Somebody die <laughs> in the beginning. Um, let me just make it clear, though. 
I'm glad no one died by the end. None of the Guardians died by the end because I actually really like the way it ended. But again, we're going to get to that. Um, but a- any last few thoughts on this opening sequence, you guys? Well, then, all right. Yes, yes, Raul. <laughs> no, I was just going to say this really kind of started me, you know, I kind of realized after this opening scene and then throughout the rest of the movie, this is probably the most violent Guardians film, if not the most violent MCU film I have ever seen. It was pretty violent. And oh, it doesn't pull any punches. And then Deadpool 3 is going to come out pretty soon. Yeah, wow. that's true. That'll basically just take that off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, then next up we got, as Rocket lies unconscious, he recalls his past. The first of many flashbacks, Rocket is thrown into a new cage where he meets three other animals that were experimented on, like him. We don't know their names yet, but we do know that they care about Rocket and try to help him cope with his fears. In the present time, we see Adam Warlock being held by his mother, the Queen of the Sovereign, We also meet the High Evolutionary, the creator of the Sovereign Race, and multiple other societies. The High Evolutionary demonstrates to us the power he has over Adam Warlock by using some sort of force push on him. Turns out that the Sovereign was working for their creator the whole time, looking for Rocket. But the Sovereign realizes that the Guardians will have to come to him to save Rocket. Um, Or the the High Evolutionary realizes that the Guardians are going to... Yeah, you guys know what I'm saying. Um... Can I be honest that this sequence when he pushes Adam Warlock up and then to the wall, I was like, oh, that's Kang. Isn't he just Kang? That's that's what Kang does. Oh, mm. yeah. Right? And Anthony yeah. Ant-Man? At this point, it's we've seen so many characters with so many different power sets. It's bound that we're going to see some overlap now. We're starting to see some overlap with the power yeah. sets. That oh, was like, oh. Because he's black, Kevin. That's racist. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, he's purple Whoa. and he's black. Looks like oh this. Oh, my God. <laughs> they both were purple and black. What the hell? <laughs> That's kind of crazy. <laughs> we're racist now, you guys. Um, or maybe goes, the writers, you know, the all writers. All our listeners. There they go. Yeah, don't listen to our shows anymore, guys. Clearly, we, we call out the, the racism in this stuff. <laughs> no, but that that's actually really interesting that that they would do that. But uh, uh, you know, to me, I I thought to myself that Adam Warlock was supposed to be this perfect being Superman type. Like he could really be held back by that, you know? Oh man, I want to see Adam Warlock fight the Superman type from uh, the, the the Celestials. No, not the Celestials. The the one with the people that work for the Celestials. Oh, the Eter- Icarus. The Eternals. From the Eternals. Icarus. Eternals. That's the one. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I, w- I want to see that fight, but, you know, we can't because the sun burned Icarus and whatnot. <laughs> Go for oh, it. right, right. In oh, turn. man, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in Multiverse and Secret Wars or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I am jumping way off topic right now. Uh, <laughs> Adam Warlock, uh, Raul, what did you feel about this whole scene with this introduction to the High Evolutionary and whatnot? Yeah, we 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 get it pretty, pretty off the bat. This High Evolutionary is pretty bad dude of course i mean we see way more of that later on and i've just um god what's his name chuck woody i i can't i can't remember his last name but he's the guy who played from peacemaker and he plays um the high evolutionary here he does a great fantastic job with this character and i have never hated a marvel villain so much and i mean that in a good way you know Mm. like yeah you really hate the guy and you really want to see him get his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Oh man, he's just pure evil. And I've never wanted to see a villain suffer such so much uh, mm. than this guy. And he does a, a great job and it's very effective. And 
I guess with the stuff he does with Rocket later on, I, I, I'm assuming maybe that's what you were also talking about with your friends, Ted, uh, about the emotional manipulation and the, mm. the animal cruelty and all that stuff. Yes. But to me, it was very effective and it makes you hate the guy so much. Um, so, yeah, I like that we get introduced to him here. I like the way we're introduced and we find out, yes, the Sovereign were uh, created by him. And so I was wondering how they would come back, um, how they would bring them back around and how they would introduce Adam Warlock, uh, because we did get that teaser at the end of Guardians 2 with uh, with the with the cocoon. So I was wondering how that how that was going to come back into play. Also, may I just add, uh, I was I was seeing I was watching this video on YouTube the other day about like Adam Warlock's comic book origins and. Uh, there is a lot of connections between him and the, the high evolutionary, uh, you know, and so it's it's kind of nice to see that Sean, uh, not Sean Gunn, James Gunn was trying as hard as he could to really make it as close to the source material as possible. Um, it only makes sense that the high evolutionary is this dude that just wants perfection from everybody. Um, but also this opening sequence, the way he spoke to even his minions was like in a way that you're not perfect. So screw you. Like, I don't need to hear anything from you, you know. And you you could tell right away that that's the type of character he is. He did freaking awesome. But uh, yeah. any last thoughts on this scene, then, gents? Well, Ted, Ted, what do you think? Oh I yeah, Ted, you got What's a up? chance. To... I don't. I'm just sitting here in silence, waiting for someone <laughs> to ask me my thoughts. Um, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this guy. Um, and and I, uh, Chukwudi Uwuji, I believe this is. Uwuji, yeah, Chukwudi. You guys are both canceled now. You can't yeah. even pronounce his name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this up beforehand. That's why I didn't try. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's a great actor. First of all, like he brings it. The the one of the complaints I heard about this movie is that it's very yelly, and and he in particular is so yelly. <laughs> but he does it in a way that it has levels. He's not always at yes, that, you know, ten. And he, you know, when we see him in the present. He's got this weird face, you know, over like pulled back. You can see the stretching on that's yeah. like attached to this rim around his head. So you're kind of like, what is that? You know, it's very weird looking. Yeah. And um, and all you gotta do is have a villain try to kill puppies or kittens hmm. or whatever, cute animal, defenseless, and like you will get everyone mm -hmm. on like wanting to to see that guy get his because you know it's, it's the John it's the, the John, John Wick crowd. effect there yeah. it is yeah, yeah. Yes. We, were, we were both on the same thought there yeah. yeah but yeah I thought he brought it and I thought he gave a really interesting performance and is one of the better villains of the MCU mm -hmm. I agree agreed hundred um, percent I I might honestly put him in the top maybe five top five top possibly top three I don't know we'll have to see um. But yeah, no, I agree. I agree with everything you just said. Well, then on to our next scene here. We got uh, in the next scene, the Guardians have almost reached our Orgo Corp. Uh, Drax has a fun conversation about metaphors with Peter Quill when the Ravagers suddenly find them. We, we discover that the alternate, the alternate version of Gamora has joined their team after running away at the end of Endgame. The Ravagers and Gamora had a deal with Nebula, and Gamora joins the Guardians on this Orgo Corp infiltration mission. Uh, then, we see other, then we see another rocket flashback where the High Evolutionary is watching Rocket transcribe some mathematical equations. The High Evolutionary is very impressed and presents his master plan to Rocket, high-speed evolutionary change where primitive creatures become as sentient as other li higher life forms. Then he can 
can create a new society of higher living beings. He's struggling to figure out why his plan is still causing those primitive creatures to become aggressive. Then Rocket gives his advice on how to solve the problem, astounding the high evolutionary. Um, I notice in this scene, because uh, I've seen this movie twice already, in this scene, you see Baby Rocket, like, when High Evolutionary is like, come with me, Rocket, let me show you, blah, 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 blah. He was like, oh, yeah, cool, but let me grab this one little metal piece before I run off with you. Mm. And so, like, they're they're already, like, putting the pieces together for what happens in, at, later on in the movie where you see that he had already collected all these little mechanical pieces so that he could put together a gadget to break free. Um, not that he planned to break free, but I think he just was that smart that he... You know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. No, I, yeah. I thought that was such a cool sequence. But also uh, the fact that, you know, uh, oh, where was I going with this one? Uh, oh, the 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 Gamora sequence. Like, I, it, it's weird because storytelling wise, watching this sequence go down where Gamora finally showed up. All I could think was, of course, of course, she had to show up here because we got to we got to keep this stuff interesting. You know, of course, they're going to have to run into the Ravagers and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think the way that Gamora is being presented now is really cool. But also, it frustrates me that Peter Quill and all the other characters keep on saying, like, um, you know, you, you've just forgotten what you've done, but this is what you did, and this is who you are. Guys, she hasn't forgotten anything. She never experienced those things. Th it's not the same thing. So the whole movie, from the beginning, when we first see her, when they're saying that to her, all I can think is, what are you talking about? Like, you guys, this move on the person you knew is dead god like why why do you keep trying to change her into someone else um yeah those are my thoughts on those also the the drax uh metaphor scene was hilarious but you know i'll, I'll let you guys go on and say what you thought about it yeah, yeah let's start with you I, I got some stuff to say just off what you said um you know the this, this is one thing that i thought was at first, I was kind of like, oh, I wish we had, like, old Gamora back. You know, wouldn't it be cool if it was just the team back together? But a, a, a through line of this and an undercurring, undercurrent theme is letting go of things. Like, letting go of Guardians of the Galaxy. Them letting go of each other as a unit, you know. Um, letting go of roles. And for Peter Quill, it's learning to let go of this one because it because she came back in physical form and it's a carbon copy of the same person but like you said hasn't experienced any of those things that he knows it's like he didn't have to grieve the loss of her as as hard and there's like hope within it that somehow she'll remember him and fall in love with him all over again or something and it's not happening. And he, there's a point where he really does have to realize that this is an entirely different person. Mm. Uh, and that that she's really dead. Like, she's not coming back. You know, you thought everybody came back and everybody was excited, but she didn't really come back. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty deep, I thought, that, that, that part of it. And then seeing her, you know, towards the end where she... You see her with her family and that and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a completely different person. This isn't Gamora that we know. This is someone else. Mm. The way that Gamora and Nebula also kind of go. Mm, mm. Like, it's like, OK, was that just like a thing when they were both baddies with each other? Like, ah. like, I, I never remembered uh, Gamora doing that with Nebula before. You know, it's I don't know. I just can't picture the good Gamora being in that spirit, you know? 
Um, so you could definitely tell that's that's a different Gamora, you guys. Come on. I mean, there was a point where she was doing Thanos's bidding, you know, back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, and they probably would have had some sort of thing, and and she defected, so they probably lost that, you know, after she had become a good guy, so to speak. Yeah, they definitely had that kind of uh, competitive nature. The beginning of the first movie, you know, where they were both kind of like that, and then, of course, mm-hmm. as the first movie goes on, she kind of changes a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, I um, I I I really like this uh this sequence and just like yeah, you realize like you were saying, Ted, you realize oh she she is a different person and this is kind of about letting go and it actually is kind of a good thing because James Gunn has always talked about this is this third one is meant to be kind of some closure on the guardian stories. And, you know, it's meant to be at least for this iteration of the guardians, kind of an ending, a a closing of the chapter, uh, if you will. And so I think doing this, this way with, with Gamora and Quill does kind of, it does kind of put a a closure on it. Right. Mm. I mean, they could always, it's, it's all, they could always come back around and maybe explore that further. And maybe they can kind of find each other again and fall in love again. But if they don't, it it kind of works anyway as like kind of a kind of some closure there. So they could go either way with it. Um, but yeah, I really appreciated that too. Yeah. And then, I, yeah, like she has her own with the ravagers. She has her own family, you know, she goes back to her family at the end and she seems genuinely happy there with mm-hmm. them. So I, I thought that was a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely just was not interested in having a Gamora that could remember everything again. Cause yeah. like, We've already explored that, you know? I, I think it was kind right. of a nice touch to have this new flavor, this new dimension to their relationship. Um, so, and I think it worked out. It's just what, like what Ted just said, uh, the whole letting go thing. She, The whole point of Gamora in this movie was to get Chris Pratt to forget and let go. Not Chris Pratt. You know what I'm saying. Um, Mario. <laughs> Mario himself. Wahoo. Yeah, he, <laughs> he had to let go so he could go find the princess, you know? Um, (laughs) All right, then. Well, next up, we got a present day. The Guardians jump out of their spaceship dressed in colorful spacesuits, landing on Orgocorp. The base is made out of organic material. Gross. The infiltration mission begins. As Nebula begins to poke a hole through the base, Peter starts talking to Gamora about their romantic history. Gamora shuts him down, telling him that she's not the same Gamora. Mantis points out that they can all hear their conversation. Next, the Guardians get inside the base, plant some camera hacks to avoid being seen, then dress up in Orgocorp uniforms in order to blend in. The head honcho of the security team, played by Nathan Fillion, enters the room with his team to see what's going on. Peter Quill talks his way out of suspicion. The Guardians realize that they accidentally put their spacesuits in the trash bin and it all fell out into space. Uh, We then get another Rocket flashback where Rocket and the other experimented animals talk about their dreams and names. Lila, the otter, Floor the rabbit, and Teeths the walrus. Uh, Yeah, so I guess, you know, we already talked about Gamora pretty much, but... Can we just talk about Nathan Fillion for a second here? Because yeah. that was some of the funniest sequences oh, ever. Great. Like, it was so yeah. funny. We've all got our, our dumb guy, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got the guy. I, I, I have a guy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Don't, you, you got a guy? I got a guy. Um, the fact that Peter Quill was able to kind of say that about Drax, like, oh, sorry, he's our, he's our, uh, our, our boss's cousin or, or niece, nephew, whatever. Oh, yeah, of course. I get you. I get you. Like that. That's just comedy gold, man. Um, which makes me think this this movie was really funny. By the way, I don't think we've brought that up enough. But uh, 
there was a lot of really great comedic moments in this movie. And I think this sequence alone, from breaking into Orgo Corp all the way to, you know, the escape, um, I think it worked out really well. Let me just make sure I'm not skipping to the future here because I was going to start talking about future scenes. Uh, okay, yeah, I won't spoil anything else because we're about to talk about it anyways. But uh, opening sequence for you guys. Raul, what, what did you think about all this? Can I, before I give my thoughts on this, can I really quickly just, sorry to go back to the previous scene, go, but did anybody right give what, what that, that whole scene where um, the high evolutionary is putting all the animals in the chambers and we're watching them kind of evolve? Did anybody get any like TMNT vibes from that? Oh like any, yeah, the mutant like turtle. They, they might as well be the ooze, you know, I'm waiting for Bebop and Rocksteady to show up, but I... Characters looked like Bebop and Rocksteady, like there's Warpig, I think. Yeah, yes. yeah Warpig, that's right. Yeah, it reminded me. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It made me think about that. But anyway, so yeah, this part here, I really love this. Uh, this was so hilarious. And yeah, the the funny stuff about the comms, like, oh, we can we can hear everything you're saying. Um, while at the same time, it, it was a comedic moment, but at the same time, it did carry the, the through line between uh, Quill and Gamora. So it wasn't just a, you know jokes for the sake of being jokes but it actually functioned as as continuing this this uh this story this subplot with them so i really appreciated that nathan fillion i mean the dude can we just say i think i think nathan fillion is to james gunn what bruce campbell is to sam Raimi. agreed has he appeared in every guardians film um i don't think everyone he was in the first one but he He was was in the cgi Yeah, yeah, he did like some some mocap, I think, for the first one. But I just remember him being the 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 dude that could remove his limbs in the Suicide Squad. Yes, yeah. I was like, oh man, like that's the first time I started noticing Nathan Fillion in yeah. these James Gunn movies. He's um, he's been in almost every James Gunn film. Uh, he's funny. I love that whole scene. Yeah, I got a guy like that. He's he's an idiot. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there anything? Is there anything else in this scene that? Uh, I'm missing out here. Uh, yeah, the uh, rocket flashback, and we start getting introduced to uh, Lila, Teefs, and Floor, and you oh know, God, it, just tragic, dude. It, it, her, right. her name is Floor because she was on the floor. The bunny, so sad. The bunny is what got me every time. <laughs> right, right. Because I think hers, her experiments are kind of the most brutal and most gruesome of all of them. Yeah, I mean, but she's even, a sweet, sweet character, and that's what makes it so like. So I mean, hard to watch. The scene was even worse to watch the second time because now you mm. know what's about to happen to them in a couple more yeah. scenes. And I so knew it was going to happen the first time. Oh. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no way. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, like, yeah. you can only assume they're all going to die. rabbit is going to... But what if Lila had survived, Ted? You don't know. No, what's messed up is that in the first movie, there was, uh, when you know, when they're getting scanned, hmm. um... And it has like their data come up for the first time. They're in a, they're that like police lineup. Uh, there's the thing that comes up and it says like affiliations, Lila. It what? Was, like, in ah, the interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that just made it way sadder. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I have to go back and check that out now. There's, yeah, for real. there's so much in this movie that after, if you go back and watch the first one, you, you'll have the answer, you know, like, this whole movie really seemed to be the answer to all the stuff that Rocket is talking about in the first one. Yeah. Oh, right. dude, especially you don't the, know what the they scene. did to me and like yeah. how we see it. Yeah. Like I didn't yeah. ask to be born this way. Yes, yeah, that's it, where he gets drunk in the first one. Yeah, man, there, that has so much weight now. 
mm-hmm. if you go back and watch that, God, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the first movie. Yeah, you're, I'm, you're making me want to do that too. That's With all the stuff idea. we know about Rocket's past now, it just gives all that stuff so much more weight. But even it, even before this third one, I remember when I first like had seen the first film. That was one of those moments, like even though you don't know really everything that happened to Rocket, that was one of those moments, even in that film, where I, where I kind of noticed, like oh, wow, they really gave some emotional weight here. We don't know what's what happened to Rocket. But just the the way he acts that, the way Bradley Cooper, first of all, he's just freaking phenomenal in this movie and in all of them. But just that whole, that moment really got me going like, ooh, that's, there's something there. I mm. want to know what that is. It made me want to know, um, even before you know everything about his past. So, yeah, it's it's really, really cool. Well, then back to the present day with the Guardians. Mantis uses her powers on a security guard, making him fall in love with Drax. Peter Quill tries to schmooze his way into his secretary's heart in order to convince her to give him Rocket's information. But it backfires when Gamora comes out and starts aiming her gun, turning everything into a hostage crisis. We get a scene with Gamora, Peter, Nebula, and the secretary going down the elevator. Peter is clearly still holding on to his Gamora. Uh, they make it to the floor with the rocket's information, but then the alarm set off after everyone recognizes, or someone recognizes one of the guardians. Gamora continues to use the secretary as a, as a hostage while calling out a pineapple head guy. Drax and Mantis start fighting off a ton of security guards, but are overwhelmed. Peter and the others make it to the top floor again and see uh, all the havoc. They lock themselves up in the security room where Peter tricks the secretary into letting him into the computer database in order to mess with all the security guard suits. The guardians escape Orgo Corp with rocket schematics. Can I just say that this sequence was the thing that made me realize, like, man, I've underestimated Peter Quill so much. Yeah. Like, ever, I think ever since Infinity War, because we all, you know, we all pick on Peter Quill for being the guy he was during Infinity War and causing all this stuff to happen for, you know, the snapping and whatever. Um, but when you see this sequence where he starts trying to put on his charm on the secretary, clearly she's not digging it. But, like, like, when I first saw this scene, I thought to myself that he really was just bad at this. Like, he's failing at this. But that was never his plan. His plan was just to get her to, you know, cooperate the way he wanted her to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I think the way that he does it by the end where she's like, okay, I trust your stupid plan to talk to everybody on the intercoms. Here you go. Nah, I didn't need to do that. I just wanted yeah. to get through the computer. I'm not that like, dumb. Yeah. yeah, I'm not that dumb. Like, that's, oh, man, you constantly see him do things like that. And it keeps reminding you that he's that type of character where people underestimate him all the time. And even us as the audience, we we underestimate him. And yet he tricks not only the, the characters, but us. And uh, man, like th- this movie made me appreciate Chris Pratt's performance even more than usual because I never really thought about that until I, I watched this one. Um, t- uh, Ted, what about you? What, do you? what did you think about all this? Uh, I just want to say the, uh, especially the design of this planet and this, this like flesh, uh, <laughs> flesh planet, it was really yeah. unique and weird. And, and yeah. like the, the like really ridiculous suits that all the, the guards were wearing. That was really weird. Dude, so weird. You know, it's, it, it's a whole system made out of flesh. It's like disgusting. Um, <laughs> But very pretty to look at it, you know, it was, it was like an interesting design. And I agree with you about the Chris Pratt stuff, you know, because Chris Pratt, uh, you know, I loved him when he was Andy in Parks and Rec. When he came as yeah. Star-Lord, I was like, whoa, this is something entirely different. 
And then for the past few years, he's kind of come out as being pretty right wing and it's sort of like, mm. ugh. but like you're watching this movie and you remember how you felt about him the first time you saw uh, Star Lord in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, where he does have the charm. Nobody really knows who he is. And he and he does. He's, he is like the underdog in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I, I like this scene. Um just because like the production design was just top notch, I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Totally. Also, can yeah. we talk about the Drax scene with the, the dude falling in love with him? <laughs> yeah. Like I I was kind of hoping that that security guard would come back and they'd do another part of that joke. Like, I don't know, there's a sequence where that security guard shows up at the end of, of this whole battle, havoc, craziness, and like Drax is on the ground, like about to be attacked again. Like I thought maybe that security guard would jump in and go, "That's my boyfriend" or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, it seems yeah. like the the charm or whatever wore off because yeah, he comes back later and he's like, "Hey, I don't know." He's yeah, yeah. Like, hey, you guys. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, this they're, they're doing something here with. It's almost kind of a continuation of the holiday special between mm. Drax and Mantis. Yeah. They've got kind of this thing going back and forth. Um, they're kind of both of these characters are kind of seen as the outcasts of the group, right? They're they're especially with with Nebula constantly berating them for Drax being too dumb and and uh, Mantis, I don't know, but not being very useful or whatever. Being too weak. Yeah. Too weak. Yeah. Yeah. So these two have kind of naturally uh, have kind of uh, been drawn to each other. Uh, as uh, you know, th- this this kind of relationship between the two, which I I think is really cool, and yeah, they're carrying it over from the holiday special. That is um, that is interesting, like because uh, the just ideology that clashes with uh, Nebula and Mantis, because Mantis's power is being empathetic. You know, like she's right. super empath, can like feel what people are feeling, and then she's like, you like you go to everybody's aid every time they feel weak. And I'm like, yeah, that's an empathetic person. This is right right wing versus left wing of like just people, you know, it was interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, by the way, did anybody catch, uh, the secretary? I think her name is Uda. Does anybody know who that is? James Gunn's wife. Wait, no, 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 no. Well, that's okay. Well, yes. Cameras, the chick on the cameras. Yeah. James Gunn's wife does show up as like the, I don't know, head of security or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That is James Gunn's wife. But I'm talking about the pink lady, Uda. Yep. You guys recognize her? She's a rat catcher too. Yep. From the Suicide Squad. Squad. Oh, I thought she was just Cosmo and that's it. No. Oh, did she do the voice of Cosmo? No. Cosmo was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's daughter in Borat 2. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, all right. So that's who Cosmo was. I thought but that yeah. was this, wasn't that the same actor? No. No, 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 no. no. This the secretary uh in, in this one is is uh the girl who plays Ratcatcher 2 in the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh so I appreciate it. Those also those suits, man, those security suits. So funny. <laughs> they're so talk. ridiculous. It's like like if the the thing from Fantastic Four had just let himself go. <laughs> it's just like they just Dang. look so ridiculous, uh, especially with uh, with Nathan Fillion. He's got his helmet off, and so you just see him with like this, yeah. almost like this fat suit. You know, uh, I, those are so funny. Yeah, that was a great sequence. Well, then let's move on here to our next scene. We got the Guardians now with Rocket's file. See footage and the history of Rocket's experiments. They discover that the passcode to access Rocket's kill switch has been removed. The group speculates that Thiel, one of the High Evolutionary's advisors, has it. So they depart for Counter-Earth. 
Gamora, however, doesn't want to go with them. After Peter starts to lecture her about who she used to be, Gamora goes crazy on him, almost hitting him in the face until Nebula stops her. Gamora rushes to the back of the ship and tries to contact a Ravager to come pick her up. Little does she know that the Sovereign with Adam Warlock have captured the Ravager she contacted. Gamora gives their coordinates without realizing that they're not Ravagers. The Sovereign Queen and Adam try to go after them in order to save their own Sovereign race. I think that whole sequence was really great too. I mean, again, with the whole, it's, it's all comedy centric over here with this movie um when adam warlock is just standing around like paying attention to like the wall or something and his mom's like adam like can you show him a thing or two okay just destroys this dude and and the entire body turns to skull i mean come on that's kind of awesome but uh it, it just goes to show you how naive adam warlock is as a character which i think is great because the high evolutionary decided to take him out of his uh shell far earlier because he thought that he could get Rocket with him. Um, So again, it goes to show you the imperfections of everything the High Evolutionary makes so that the dude's never going to be happy. How did this go from like happy joke stuff that I was talking about to now it's this really deep, sad thing about the High Evolutionary? Well, that's the magic. That's the magic of James Gunn's writing is is because of these comedic moments. They're not just comedic moments. Mm. They're funny, but they also highlight they also kind of grow the character development, you know, and with Adam Warlock too, it's, 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 it's showing that, yeah, there's his, uh, his ignorance and his kind of childlike nature, you know, do lend themselves to some good comedic moments, but it also does highlight his, his, we, we see near the end, his perspective of yeah. uh, and wanting to change his ways. His, his imperfections, make us become more empathetic towards him. And I think that's interesting that like, if we lived in a society where everything was perfect all the time, then it wouldn't be fun anymore, I suppose. Um, But yeah, Ted, how about you? How did you feel about all this? He's thinking. (laughs) No, he's eating food. (laughs) I muted myself and then I couldn't get the traction on my mouth. You're like, oh no, I got to finish this food. (laughs) (laughs) You're mid bite. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, so the, it was interesting with Adam Warlock, because, like, I, I rem- and they do explain it, like, they pull him out of his cocoon early, um, but I, I never knew Adam, I, I was expecting a lot from this character, I think, because I sort of had, uh, I played the Guardians of the Galaxy game, and I know he was mm. in that, and he wasn't dumb, like, there, being dumb, I felt dumb was a little cheap for laughs. I, yeah. I agree with that. Like that was my one thing about I I thought they kind of did Adam Warlock dirty, but at the same time, it's a Marvel movie. You know they're gonna have like I don't know if you've seen on TikTok there are these people that like do humor in Marvel movies, and it's just like <laughs> right behind me, isn't he? You know yeah. like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's like really cheesy. Yeah. Like I was thinking earlier, you said something about the guy that comes out with a pineapple head. They did oh, that yeah. same joke, but it was a broccoli guy in ant-man quantumania that's right they just did that same bit oh my god you're right right you know what the difference was that the joke hit harder in this movie than it did in ant-man ant-man was just this awkward like also there's a broccoli guy yeah Yeah. (laughs) well uh, it was actually it was actually it was actually a carrot head in in this movie the guy that's what it was yeah yeah not a pineapple broccoli carrot yeah (laughs) but yeah it's the same exact same same joke. joke It was great when, when you know, the, the, the thing I liked about this sequence was that after she called him out with that head, after she leaves, then the camera cuts back to that guy again going, 
Oh, oh, thank, man, oh thank God. Yeah. <laughs> thank God. I thought we were done. We were done for. That's crazy. Like that to me was like that. That's why James Gunn is the goat. Like he he's like, ah, oh, let me do a recall really quick. That'd be funny. Oh man, how funny would it have been if he if that same character had shown up again towards the end of the movie, like right at the explosion, he's running out or something. Come wait, save me. Um, <laughs> that would have been too good. But uh, yeah, no, I I think that that character's awesome. Uh, it would have been. I, I I'm I'm wondering if it was a little too much at one point because the character's face looks so cartoony compared to everybody else's that yeah. I was like, okay, they're really going for a laugh here. And I, but I appreciate it. That dude's head's huge. It's weird. Yeah. I love it. It's just it it stands out to me now as like a stock Marvel joke bit. Like, okay, we need to have a part where a character <laughs> looks like something weird. Yeah. <laughs> but and also going back to what you said about Adam Warlock being smarter usually in, in the, the source material. Like, that's so true. Like, he he is this perfect being in the source material. So I wonder if if maybe this Adam Warlock is dumb and silly now, but he becomes more and more mature and smarter as the, the his arc goes on. I think um, so. I hope so. Yeah, because this is only the first time we're going to see him. You know, we're, we're going to see him plenty of more times after this. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping maybe by Secret Wars, he'll be a lot more mature and smarter than the average bear kind of vibe i don't know? know if you guys picked up on this but um i can't i don't i forget his name the actor playing uh adam warlock but he runs like a total goofball like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i he, never noticed shots, yeah if you go back and watch the movie pay attention to when he runs he's oh. got like a really clunky right uh shin or something it, he just looks <laughs> very uncomfortable running <laughs> i'll have to look at that. it will poulter is the actor wait wait, wait. is will it poulter. worse is yeah. it worse than Ezra Miller's run? I mean, that's pretty bad, too. That's but, a pretty yeah. bad run, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that thing? That's just like a weird wavy thing he's doing with his arms. I don't know what the heck he's doing. <laughs> yeah. It looks very flashy, right? I think oh. maybe he has, like, you know, pigeon or wall feet, you know, where, like, your foot goes. So he's, like, running, but it's you, you'll see when you watch it again. Duck footing, yeah. yeah. I was like, he runs very awkwardly. <laughs> Dang it, now I'm not going to unsee that next time I see it. Darn you, Ted. And most Darn of the time, you. he's just laying flat, you know, and flying towards. Them. Have you seen? There's so many. Flat footed. That's that. what you're trying yeah. to say. Flat footed. Yeah. yeah, yeah very flat footed. <laughs> Luckily, I, I, he flies most of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, his flying makes up for his lame running. <laughs> Luckily, he's not the flash either, so that's also good. <laughs> All right, then. Well, then moving on to our next scene here, we got uh, upon arriving in a suburban town on counter earth. The team is met with a lot of skeptical animal like humanoids. Drax throws a ball in a little girl's face enraging all the animal people. Luckily, one of the residents shows shows empathy to the guardians and allows them to come into their home. We get a whole sequence where the guardians are trying to ask the resident family for their help to uh, to find Thiel. Drax is lying down on a couch, Nebula is drinking some delicious-looking blue drink, and Mantis is making sounds that may or may not sound like Rocket is dead. The residents point the Guardians to, in the right direction, and Peter takes Nebula and Groot with him uh, to the high evolutionary ship. Not only does Peter tell Drax and Mantis to stay behind and protect Rocket, but he also gets to say the MCU's first official F-bomb. As Peter drives a car for the first time, he, he, Nebula, and Groot notice the terrible society that the high evolutionary has made. Drugs, assault, and imperfect society. When they arrive at the high evolutionary ship, Nebula is forced to wait outside by guards as Quill and Groot board. Peter finally gets the chance to look at the high evolutionary in the eye. Um, yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, Raul, why don't you, you start this guy? How do you feel about all this? 
Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this scene. This is, this is kind of one of those scenes where we kind of take a break from the action and it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of jokes, a lot of humor and stuff, but I mean, constantly tr- still driving the story. And it, it was, I really like the, yeah, I like the scene where Drax keeps trying to lay down on the couch and they keep like, they keep like telling like, that's not what that's for. It's meant for people to sit shoulder to shoulder. Um, uh, really? those that scenes, those terrible. scenes are really funny. Yeah. The whole thing with the, the uh, the face that Mantis makes to to say that Rocket is you know that way that's that's the same face he's dumb but that's the same face as uh, he's he's dead, um yeah these are nice little moments and then we get to see uh yeah they get to hold on let me look uh yeah these are these are fun and then they yeah they start their they start their mission to go uh uh go confront the high evolutionary yeah that was. Man, I wish they hadn't, um, well, I don't know, did they put this in the trailers with Peter Quill saying the F word or no? I, I, I knew about so. it. No, you did? I didn't know. I knew about it, man, I knew about it going in and I wish I hadn't. Maybe it was on social media or something. I had heard about it or something like that. Man, I wish I hadn't because I, 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 it was so great. It was so great. The whole thing about the door, like, well, yeah, push, push the button right <laughs> under, it's under the handle. Um, I love that. And it really does make you think it makes you go, Oh yeah. Quill, he hasn't been on earth for a while. Just the fact he can do all these things. He can pilot a ship, but he can't drive a freaking car. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just kind of a reminder. And this is another thing again, continuing the through line of Quill because they do kind of set it up in the beginning, uh, talking about Quill going to see his family or going home and, and Mantis asking him like, well, why, you know, maybe you should find your grandfather and blah, 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 blah. So they're planting these seeds for when he eventually does go home near the end. And so just the constant reminders when they uh, appear, when they arrive at counter earth and, you know, them asking Quill, is this what it looks like or something like that? Um, and so it's it's constantly on his mind, the reminder of, of being back at home. Um, it also yeah. gave you a very Captain America vibe with the whole, you know, uh, Peter Quill trying to go back to his grandfather kind of yeah. thing. Like, yeah. don't you ever want to go back? Oh, maybe right. someday. Okay, he's going to go back in time probably, or, you know, back to his people and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah. There's, there's a couple of things throughout this movie that reminded me of other films. Like, I feel like James Gunn took a lot from other stories, um, which we'll get to another one pretty soon as well but you know we'll talk about that but uh, ted how about you how how would you think of all this stuff yeah i think uh this i know they use the same street i think in the christmas special like when he's going around looking for uh christmas lights if it looked like the same location and i Ah. i I imagine they must have been shooting both things at the same time you know like um but the thing about this scene that I liked and I liked the scene and I didn't like it because I didn't, did they explain why they land where they land and then take somebody's car? Like, and like, is that a defensive move? Like, what was that? Cause it seems so like we're going to, here's this giant pyramid thing. We're going to go over here, talk to these people and then drive their car. I mean, it, it seemed kind of like a clunky vehicle to, to get that stuff out of Peter Quill as far as like, Oh yeah, he would know how to drive a car. He would, and and seeing people on the 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 streets, you know, they see in the alleyway. There's like a porcupine getting his ass beat by like a hedgehog yeah. or something. And uh, are you saying are you saying like why didn't they just land right next to yeah. the pyramid? That's a great question. That's a good question. 
I got. I guess I don't know. Maybe just to have oh. the advantage of being able to sneak up on him. I don't know. Also, there could be the point of maybe they didn't notice the pyramid when they were landing because the whole yeah. point of them being Big. with yeah. these these suburban people were like, hey, where's Steel? Because uh, he right. could be anywhere. That that pyramid could be yeah. anything. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like it, it would make sense to be like, all right, let's assume that one ginormous pyramid is where the high evolutionary is with his right. people, um, and, he, and he knows they're coming. Yeah, you know, he he wants them to show up so he can you know just take care of this. But and and for some reason they just happen to land like in the same city where the pyramid is. It I, was right next door. Yeah, that's maybe true. there's a line in there that explained that, but it, it seemed a little like. And and then we learned this the really cool new spaceship they have has like three little mini Milanos in it, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting looking. So they wanted to like land and then fly one of the spaceships and didn't need to like take somebody's car. It was like it's funny, you know, it was it was, yeah. was kind of like ham fisted to that's, get to that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what it, uh uh well, no, wait, I my blank. I blanked out. Never mind. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> Where am I? What happened here? Is this an episode of a podcast we're doing? Um, <laughs> okay, then I guess is that all we got for this one? Yeah. All right. Very oh, good. Oh no, the panda dad. I really, oh, the that's the what. Panda yeah. Dad. Mowing the lawn like that guy. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Knew it. It's cute. Well then, we get the final flashback for Rocket. The high evolutionary is freaking out, looking for Rocket. He was in the middle of treatment when he found out that Rocket's advice from the previous flashback worked with his master plan. The now higher life form creatures aren't aggressive anymore. The high evolutionary is furious because he doesn't understand how Rocket surpassed his own knowledge. Without empathy, the high evolutionary tells Rocket that there's no way in hell that Rocket will ever get to see his perfect animal society. He does, however, want to study Rocket's brain more closely. The High Evolutionary commands his team to incinerate Rocket's friends in the morning. Rocket, scared for everyone's life, whips out some tech he's been slowly collecting and creates a passkey to escape his, his cage. When he helps Lila and the others escape, Lila gets shot and killed by the High Evolutionary. Rocket, filled with sadness and fury, attacks the High Evolutionary and scratches his entire face off. The High Evolutionary's security shows up and Rocket shoots and kills them all. Then he realizes that the security shot and killed teeth and floor. Rocket broken, Rocket broken, runs away and steals a ship, finally escaping this hellhole. Um, yeah, I mean, we've already been talking about this sequence uh, quite a few times, but it is just gut-wrenching. This, this sequence alone, mm. again, I, I've seen this twice. The first time I watched it, I was just in complete shock. The second time I watched it, I was tearing up because it was just, yeah. you knew it was coming by the second time, unless you're Ted, Ted knew it from the first time. But, you know, it, it was such a cool sequence to watch because it, it really has that effect on you. It's just pure, utter sadness, man. The thing that really got me was when, when Floor, every time people pull out their guns or people are dying, Floor is just screaming the same words over and over because she's freaking out and doesn't know what to do. And so by the time you hear all the bullets come out from the other security guards, it's already over. Like, it's too late. No more screaming. The screaming stops. You don't, But you don't have time to think about it because everything happens so fast. James Gunn just knows how to grab your heart and just rip it right out when you least expect it to. Um, and here I was hoping that these characters survived. But, you know, this happens. And then life is sad. Uh, Ted, thoughts on this sequence? Oh, man, I mean, I was, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I cried even harder the second time, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, these, it, these 
animals, the, the bunny with the spider legs and like the, there's a scene earlier where they are playing together and they yeah. are like enjoying their life as much as they possibly can, which is yeah. like a really pathetic existence. Mm -hmm. And that is where I started to tear up. And then by the time, you know, this happens, it's, it's like full blast because floor in particular is like this little kid, you know, and like, Layla has like, you know, you know, it's more like on Rocket's level and like, as far as understanding, she's a little bit more adult, you know, but like Floor is just like a child and doesn't understand what's happening. And it's like the idea that like, we hope we get to see the sky. I hope we get to see the sky someday. Yeah. I mean, I was just like devastated by this. And it's just, and like, this is where my friends were like, oh, this is most, you, you just care about cute animals. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> that's the point. Like, that's the point to empathize <laughs> yeah. with something that somebody that's in captivity and like all they want is to like see the sky. And that's like, you know, they're ne it's not going to happen. And the way that he dismisses that is like, you're, you're so intelligent. You could figure this out, but you couldn't see that. I'm never going to let you see the light of day. Yeah. Like mm. whew, it was, it was tough, man. That yeah. was the, uh, that's, that's the moment where all I wanted to do was kill that guy. Like yeah. the evolutionary needs to die after this. The fact, the way he just said, uh, "Oh, hey, what do we do with the other critters? Incinerate them." Like, oh, it's yeah. it's not a big deal. Like, it's just they're just trash. Dude. You know, like that's oh man. And when L L Lila gets when he realizes and he lets out this like guttural like yeah like, just oh the scream primal scream of loss and then he ravages the dude's face. And, and it feels good, but it 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 it's like not enough because we yeah. know those characters are dead; they're not coming back. And like, though he does mar his face, it's and he shoots a couple of the guys. It's like he's never going to get those those people back. And also, yeah. it, it didn't feel like the, it was this satisfying attack on him because you you see this character Rocket is attacking out of fear and and de desperation. You know, like this wasn't like an I win scenario. I think this he was, was attacking out of pure anger. Like, there was thoughts. some anger in there. Anger yeah. and just, you know, you killed my friends. Like, yeah. And there's nothing he can sad, do about it other than a sad attack. attack. It was yeah. so. like, like, like you, Ted, I was these, this scene and the scene previous where they were playing, these kind of go hand in hand. Cause I was definitely thinking of that previous scene during this scene. And yeah. you just, you, 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 you there's, you and uh they're so endearing because they're just like they're just trying like you said trying to make the most out of their time there and just the hope of like we're gonna get out someday we're gonna get out and i love the scene where they you know they come up with their names mm -hmm. and um you know of course and that's how we that's how rocket is it calls himself rocket um and it was just so sweet and just seeing them playing together and having a good time they're playing tag i think and uh you know, despite the fact that they're just like locked up in these cages, they're just, they're, 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 like you said, they're making the most out of it. And it just like kills you when this, Rips when this heart. other scene comes along, it just like devastated me. Yeah. This is where I was starting to get, even in that scene too, I was the, the scene where they're playing, yeah. I was, I was starting to tear up as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, but definitely in this scene. And if I didn't hate the high evolutionary already, I mean, like, this is, this puts it over the top, you know? Mm. And even just the fact that uh, Rocket is crying 
And then just him like screaming back at him and making fun of him crying. I'm like, yeah, you, that too. you bastard, you, mm. how dare you? And oh my God. Yeah. He jumps, he jumps on him and starts scratching the shit out of his face. And that was, I was hearing like audible gasping in the theater. Um, and just, just, it just, it was insane. And, but it was so, it was still satisfying. Um, of course he's still, you know, he doesn't die, but it's just like seeing that, ugh, that anger coming out and he just snaps. Uh, this, yeah, it was, it was pretty satisfying. But again, that was another one of those scenes where I'm like, yep, this is probably the most violent MCU movie. Yeah. Well, it, uh, I think it, it needed to be for how big of a reaction, you know, he has in the first movie. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. It needed to match that, you know, to make sense, to make sense of that, to go back and be like, wow. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, because seeing seeing him get worked on and stuff, that was that's terrible. Like when yeah. they they're watching like a hologram and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't. This is what happened to Rocket. But like the emotional stuff is so much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, yeah, I, I just want to bring up the, the idea that James Gunn had been talking a lot in interviews how uh, this this was one of the sequences, like one of the the thoughts and ideas that he had in his head. Like this this sequence specifically, everybody dying and everybody getting experimented on. He'd been thinking about this stuff since he started Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And he was like, man, like the day that I get to to film that sequence, it's going to be a really interesting day because I can already see it all in my head so vividly. Um, and so it's it's nice to see uh, what, a, what a master class director this guy is, like the way he presented this scene to us. Um, he knew what we were all going to feel by the end of this. Um, and also I'll, I'll add at the end here, uh, the scene, going back to the whole not being able to see the sky, when Lila's on the ground and she's like, oh, my God, the sky, I can see it. Like, that broke me. I broke. Yeah. That was just too horrendous, which, again, we'll talk more about looking at the sky later today. But that that's just way to go, James Gunn. Bravo, my good man. Made us cry. <laughs> Stick a knife in our guts and twist it. Jesus Christ was a Jew. All right. Well, listen, let's <laughs> let's move what? on to our next scene here. I'm just eating facts, Raul. Um, we got and he was he was a Jew. <laughs> he, yeah. he was Jewish. Yeah, very Jewish. Uh, so Drax decides to screw the rules and go after Peter, stealing a motorcycle from a resident in the suburbs. Mantis tries to convince him not to leave, but Drax tricks her into thinking that they're just going to go back to the ship and takes her along with him. Back at the high evolutionary ship, Peter notices Thiel and starts to approach him for the passcode. A pig monster holding back Nebula from the from going into the high evolutionary ship finally decides to fly off to the Guardian ship to retrieve Rocket. Gamora is the only one there to stop it, when suddenly Adam Warlock appears, also looking for Rocket. Adam kills the pig monster, trying to save his own people from the high evolutionary. The high evolutionary finally starts talking to Peter and tries to explain his whole big evil plan. Peter counters all of his points by claiming that he made an imperfect society. His creations aren't working. The High Evolutionary agrees and initiates the destruction and planned recreation of Counter-Earth, which kills all life on the planet, including the Queen Sovereign. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to, to dig into on here. Um, well, first things first, Drax and Mantis, always going to be that funny buddy duo at this point. Um, just the whole, don't worry, I'm just going to drive our motorcycle right back to the ship. I was <laughs> like, ah, okay, it's, it's fun stuff right here. Um, and of course her going, Drax, as soon as they start driving off, like, come on, that's, that's good stuff. Good comedy <laughs> stuff. 
Um, but also kind of makes you a little frustrated because you're like, Drax, dude, if you hadn't just, if you had stayed there, like, oh, man, I don't know. Everything happens for a reason. Anyways, uh, high evolutionary ship. Uh, the pig monster's voice was something I did not see coming. I don't know if you guys remember. She, it was very, like, ladylike, like a high, high-pitched and uh, you see this giant monster pig, and that's that's not the voice you imagine at first. But, hey, it worked out, and then she got her head beheaded. So Adam Warlock did a badass little... Oh, that was awesome. But, uh, yeah, Ted, how how about you? What, what did you think about all that? So this is a sequence, uh, you know, as the thing is lifting up and the high evolutionary is, is going off, they have that crazy shootout. Are we at that part yet? Uh, not yet. No, no, not yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. That part's coming out. Um, yeah, I, like, I thought the, this, this action sequence is great, and this is where I first noticed that Adam Warlock runs like a total goofball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and seeing Gamora, you know, sort of, she clearly doesn't really give a shit, and she just wants to get back to the team and, and whatever, um, but she, you know, takes care of Rocket during this attack, which is, like, He's already dying, you know, and, you know, they're just trying to get to, you know, he's he's already in bad shape. And now he's getting flung around and stuff. Yeah, it's a heroic moment to, to save Rocket, not only from uh, the war pig, but from Adam Warlock. So it was, it was it was a nice moment for her. Yeah, you could tell, like, she she was slowly being chiseled back to having a heart, you know, sort of because um, she she you're right. She doesn't really care for the the, the Guardians, but like. I think the sequence right before the pig showed up was she saw, you know, Rocket sitting there in his bed, and she's like, "Man, these guys are working really hard just for you." You know that? Yeah. And then you know, you once the, once you must the pig, be a really loyal pet. That's what it was. You must be yeah. a really loyal pet. Once the pig shows up and starts taking Rocket, like the fact that she even chose to say anything was like, "Okay, see, you do have a soft spot. You just you're feeling bad at the fact that you it was it will be your fault." As to why Rocket won't be, you know, won't be here anymore. Uh, so you better do something about it. Which is really nice to see the the badass Gamora from 2014, who is now like attacking this giant pig monster. You know, um, it was nice to see that she's just as tough as ever. Uh, Raúl, how about you? What did you think about all this? No, I like this scene. This is uh, get to, to the point where we start to really ratchet up the action. The action in this. Uh, and this movie in general is really good. And it, it only starts to get better from this, uh, from this point on. Um, yeah. I, I love that. That's Adam Warlock's like, he really likes to decapitate huh? That's like <laughs> one yeah. of his, one of his go-to moves. Um, the, the action starts to really ratchet up here. And um, I, I is, this is also the scene where Gamora uh, like right beforehand is like going through Quill's backpack Right. And he's like, right. she's like taking out the photos of him and his family and like the baseball cards and stuff. So, yeah, she's really starting to sympathize just a little bit here. Um, but, yeah, I also I also like that that uh, Warlock still is hanging on to that creature that his he found his new pet now. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Every time and I re- saw that dog whimper, that little pet whimper and pee, I would just think of uh, <laughs> my own dog. And I'm like, man, I got to go home tonight. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny though this 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 shot where he's like flying towards the camera and he's got this intensity in his eyes and stuff but he's like holding this fluffy little kind of <laughs> cute little animal i thought it was a funny just uh juxtaposition yeah oh yeah uh also the uh uh 
let me let me just add that when he ripped off that pig's head, I, I think me and a couple of people in the theater all went like vocally out loud, like, holy <laughs> crap, this is it's just so vicious, man. Like the way that James Gunn puts this whole thing on camera, it's great. Um, but yeah, the what, what was the other thing? The uh, uh, nope, I'm blanking out again, man. Look at that. One of those days. All right. <laughs> Any other last thoughts on these guys? Nah. Okay, then let's move on here. Peter initiates his real plan, which was to kill all the scientists in the room, then jump off the ship with Thiel as Groot follows and flies them off into an open field. Killing Thiel with the, fa- with the falling impact, they retrieved the passcode from him. Gamora arrives with their ship to, content- to rescue them, while Nebula, Mantis, and Drax board the high evolutionary ship to escape the planet and save Peter, who is now falling with Groot and Thiel. As Quill's group attempts to access the code, Rocket flatlines and has a near-death experience, where he reunites with Lila, Teefs, and Floor. Lila tells him that this time, his time has not come yet, as Quill uses the code to disable the kill switch and save Rocket's life. Nebula, Mantis, and Drax come across hundreds of imprisoned humanoid children on the high evolutionary ship before being captured. Um, yeah, so this sequence, okay, this was the thing I was trying to talk about earlier, how there's a couple of things that James Gunn has stolen from other movies. Uh, the whole Lila being like, you know, oh yeah, you can come with us, but not now, it's not your time. I'm like, all right, Deadpool too much with Vanessa. All right, yeah, come yeah. on. I see. That was one of my friend's complaints. Yeah. I said, oh, Deadpool did it already. But you know what? That's true. It's down to the same line. That shouldn't be a complaint, though. I feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, like it worked really well for this movie. Um, But like you can't help but think of Deadpool, too, because it's already been done. Right. So uh, I think I think it still made me teary eyed. You know, it still got me emotional and it did what it needed to do. Um, But also the whole Ah, man, I just got so frustrated when it's like Peter Quill and his his side of or his group is already falling down when the other group's already trying to get in. I'm like, oh, you, just, you missed each other by like a second. Come on. They if do that just... a couple times, too. That, yeah. Right. They they're always they're they're always kind of mixed. Oh, I thought you were on the ship. No, wait, you're on the ship. You know, <sighs> just that kind of. Yeah. They yeah, do it, that a few times. It, it happens too many times. I'm I'm, I'm tired of that. They should have just known. Anyways, that's ranting Kevin for you. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. Ted, speaking of Ted, what did you yeah, think? Just when I thought I was done crying, you know, they last <laughs> yeah. the final scene, and they're in, they're in like it kind of reminded me of Harry Potter. Like they they did a similar like yeah, it looks like white. yeah. When he goes to see Dumbledore in Wizard Heaven or whatever, right? Like the train station or whatever. Yeah, maybe the Matrix too. I don't forget the Matrix did something like that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, and I'll, I was kind of hoping that the uh, well, it was interesting that they still had their mechanical parts in this. Yeah, you know, uh, heaven purgatory or whatever. <laughs> We're still robots in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> We're trapped oh. in purgatory now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Do they ever get to see us, guy? Jesus. Um, yeah, this is where it starts to ramp up, and man, when uh, it, I didn't know at first, I, I, you know, I saw like, oh, you know what to do with these, and then you kind of forget that, you know, and it's a little suspect that they don't scan Groot. Also, they're just like, well, he's made of wood, so yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna scan a tree. Need, don't even yeah. need to scan him at all. It's like, well. Uh, but then when <laughs> he gets up, the, the reveal was fantastic. 
And then uh, seeing him sprout wings and become like a hang glider, that was new. I yeah, yeah. I was like, yes, Groot so is badass. useful again. You know, that was because Groot was cute. When, you know, it was cute merchandising op- opportunity. Yeah. And then I started being like, man, I miss when he was like really, really cool. Me too. Mm. Cool stuff. So it was nice having him back in like full force. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to say I think I've said this before on the show like I'm getting tired like I want to get back to adult Groot again because as cute as as the baby Groot was and even teenage Groot was kind of he was so moody and didn't I was I I was so happy to see like you said Groot back in full force and being a badass too Um, but still has like a slightly different personality than the first adult Groot I like that he's he's a little different this is like a new Groot. But still, he's he finally back to back to form with being a being a competent badass. Um, also, I, I want to say, well, f- sorry, Ted, I, I I think I cut you off. Were you? Uh, I don't know if you were finished or not. Oh, okay. Um, I I did they straight up commit murder on this guy? Like, okay, this guy feel like I know the Guardians. Like later on, especially in the hallway fight, they end up killing a lot of people. Oh yeah. But, it was in this scene that I really, I don't know why it stuck out to me in this scene with where they kill this guy, Theo. I'm like, Jesus, they just straight up killed this guy. Like, it was just the level of anger that Peter Quill had when he did it that I was like, yeah. damn, Peter, okay. Like, it just dude. stood out to me. Like, but and then like, later on, they, they kill all those people in the hallway fight. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, they just, they're just killing everybody. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This, that part was just like, maybe go, damn. There was a part of me that that when the more I've thought about it, it, it's it makes me think of how Peter Quill does have a short temper at times. I mean, look at the whole Infinity War situation, like the right. fact that he had a short temper is the reason why everything happened the way it did by the end of the movie. Um, but, you know, the fact that he he's so caught up right now with this is the doctor that helped screw up my friend, you know, like, of course, I'm going to be this outrageously angry towards him. Um, and do what I got to do to just get that, that passcode, you know, but either way, you're right. It, it was, it was very, 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 very dark. A lot um, of cloudy morals on this. It was like, we don't kill people except for all those people. And then we, we definitely feel yeah. bad for like animals that were turned into robot things, but well, now so we're going to kill all these ones, you know, but everybody gets a second chance. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's a, well, later down in, in the next couple scenes, there is that sequence with rocket where he's going to be able to get the chance to kill the high evolutionary and goes, nah, cause I'm a guardian of the galaxy. Guardian. The like, guardians don't kill except for like as, <laughs> two dead bodies thrown everywhere. You know, totally right. Like as soon as he says that, I just see all the other guardians going, yeesh. Well, we killed like 700 people already. Yeah. Like oh. trying to get you out of here. Like what the hell? Um, so it is kind of a funny thing. Maybe that's how rocket views his own leadership. He doesn't want people to be killed anymore. But even that doesn't make sense because he he kills so many people as Rocket Raccoon, you know, like, I don't know. He's trying to give mercy. There could have been a better line at the end there. That's all I'm trying to say. It's kind Um, of like video game logic. You know, you're 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 the hero. You're Nathan Drake, you know, uh, (laughs) taking out bad guys and getting treasure and meeting girls and then. You look back and he's killed like 800. He's a mass murderer. He's a, <laughs> he's a mass killer. murderer. Yeah. yeah. He killed every guy <laughs> you came into contact with. Yeah. yeah. That all that, that checks out, actually. But That's still the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> very Batman-y of him. Uh, very Ben Ben Affleck Batman. And Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, supposedly. I 
Yes, mm. Michael Keaton ah. kills some Batman or kills some people too in the first movie. Interesting. And one person oh, in the yeah. second movie. He, Fun facts. Oh yeah, that's right. He does. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea that Batman's like, I don't kill people. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You it, do. Batman Returns. He freaking strapped a, a a thing of dynamite to a on a guy and exploded him. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. When, when did that come about? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't kill people. <laughs> uh, I only kill people if if they don't die from dynamite. You know, <laughs> yeah. you can assume they. It's like he got, I use he got knocked rounds. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was out. just he was just so tough. It, it knocked him out. That do, it's yeah, all yeah, good. It yeah. didn't kill him. Like special dynamite that only knocks people out. Well, Michael Keaton, what about the first movie? We don't, we don't, we don't need to talk about that. That's that's he, he, right before he hit the ground. He got caught up on a clothes wire <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that's it that's like them. more than 10 people died in the first batman movie and, and i'm saying that because i literally just watched it recently and also <laughs> he kills freaking joker spoiler alert <laughs> yep. oh the spoilers are fun anyways <laughs> we're getting so off topic here um why don't we move on to our next sequence here if you guys are ready anything yep. else yep. All right, perfect. Quill's group sets out to rescue the three who are placed in a chamber with monstrous abolisks. Mantis befriends the abolisks, uh, allowing the abolisks, allowing the group to escape and reunite with Quill's group. Together, overpowering the High Evolutionary's army, cue the epic one-shot hallway fight sequence, Kraglin and Cosmo arrive on Nowhere, and Cosmo creates a telekinetic tunnel uh, connecting Nowhere to the High Evolutionary's ship to free the captured children. Rocket discovers imprisoned animals on the ship before being attacked by the High Evolutionary, but the rest of the Guardians help subdue him, leaving him to perish on his ship. The Guardians rescue the animals and lead them aboard, nowhere. Quill nearly dies trying to cross over, but is saved by Adam, who had a change of heart after being saved by Groot. Um, I didn't mention the sequence where Drax decided to talk to the kids and speak their language after, like, two scenes of not doing that. Yeah. Um, there was a part of me that was like, like I, watching this movie twice already. Like I, I get why that sequence was used in the movie, but at the same time, the first few times watching it, it, it felt like it didn't really make sense to add this jokey scene in here. Like I would have yeah. rather he just spoke the language with those kids, but yeah. again, it, it wouldn't have made sense then to push further the whole the, the Drax, you're not a destroyer, you're dad. Um, by the end of the movie, um. It just felt like it slowed down the scene, you know, like it slowed down what could have been happening already. And we could have done that a little smoother or quicker in a way. But I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, this it is what it is. Raul, any thoughts from this whole sequence at the end? Well, yeah, talking about the the Drax thing, I was very it, it was a little jarring because I understand they're this. But they're trying to do uh, closure on the whole dad thing with with Drax and stuff. But I mm. feel like could there have been a better way to do that? It just kind of didn't hit me the way I think the movie wanted it to hit me, where he's like yeah. being goofy and making the quote unquote monkey sounds. And the music is like swelling and it's yeah, not, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like this weird thing where the movie's telling me like, oh, this is a happy, you know, a, a, a cute moment and stuff. I'm like. No, they're still like, I don't know if they're serving, if they're trying to, if this, if this serves Drax's character or not, because they're still leaning into the fact that he's an idiot, Yeah, you know? And if, if, if only there was a way where, where he shows finally his fatherly instincts with these kids without also highlighting the, the whole thing about him being an idiot, yeah. you know, it might have a better impact where you, you almost go like, oh yeah, like I forget, like there's more to him than just being an idiot. Mm. You know, 
Yeah, yeah, and it just feels like because he's come in, you know, he's been very useful in past movies. It felt kind of like right. him and Adam Warlock were both dumb for for laughs, and it was like, yeah. or like to push the motivation, you know, with him and Mantis. Like, he, he's not really that dumb. Like, right. you know this. But... He just got dumber as, as the movies went along yeah. because I guess, it, well, in the first or one, comedy. he was like, he was like the standout, right? In the mm. first one where his comedic timing was really good. And then they just started to lean into that a little too much to yeah. the point where it just got ridiculous. And I was kind of hoping that they would give kind of, well, they do give kind of some closure to Drax, but I thought they were going to do it in a way where it just made it a little more serious again. Because going back to the first movie, I mean, the whole reason he's he hates Thanos or is it Thanos or Ronan? I can't remember who it is that he Ronan. has the vendetta against. Ronan. The whole reason he hates Ronan is because he killed his wife and his daughter. Like, that's some deep stuff. Yeah. You know? So I thought it was going to take it back a little more serious again in this whole him dealing with a father. But they just handled it. They handled it in, in a way where it just kind of undercuts the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. What about the, uh, all these, the, the abelisks? showing up uh in in groups of three when and suddenly mantis saying oh wait if we they're just after batteries we could just be friendly with them why didn't they just do that in the second movie yeah because <laughs> they didn't have mantis oh that's the true they movie. didn't have mantis that's a good mantis point. didn't show up until later because that was at the very beginning of the first right, 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 that's right, true right. and also mantis probably was the only one that knew that information which is yep. why mm. the guardians probably went after the fighting route the beginning of the movie that makes sense okay then all right then i take that back that's fine no more questions on that one can, but can i just can we just say i feel like they kind of made a big deal about craglin being part of the group in like yeah. the last few films and it's almost like i feel like they just didn't know what to do with him yeah they give yeah. him a little thing where he's like still trying to figure out the powers with the arrows and yeah, stuff yeah, but yeah it they just, didn't give us enough scenes for that i think it, it seemed weird they just didn't it's like it's like they didn't know what to do with him. So, oh well, let's just have him stay on nowhere for almost the entire film. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's uh, just except for the beginning and the end. Him mastering the 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 spike thing with his whistle, like I, I feel like it just wasn't really earned by the end. You know, like I know they they kind of because he's barely in the movie. Yeah, exactly. They, they just cut to uh to oh what's his name Yandu. Yandu is just in in a mirage, like from far away, yeah. going. Come on, boy, you know what to do. You know, like, just believe it. Use your heart. <laughs> Use your heart. Use the force, Luke. <laughs> I was like, man, that's it. That's all you're going to give me. Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi had a better, like, you know, better scenes to build that up. You know, <laughs> Yondu just, Yondu didn't even show up till the very end of this movie. Like, you know that James Gunn only brought him into this scene because he's like, I want to hang out with the actor. I love him. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like, I bring my friends into my movies. Like, yeah, but, like, story-wise, like, you should have you should have heard Craglin at least, like, debating to himself about, like, oh, Yondu wouldn't have been able to do like this, and maybe Cosmo could have been all, like, the supportive dog that's like, yes, you can, Yondu would have believed in you, okay? Now tell me I'm a good dog. No, you're a bad dog still. God damn it! You know, like, <laughs> give, me, give me something with that relationship, which also brings me to that Cosmo stuff, like... I, I do, do like I do the, also the bad like, dog thing with him yeah, with Cosmo yeah. and Craglin. That like that him. worked. That worked yeah. for me. But I think it's it was the Craglin finding his own problems and figuring out his own problems. Like 
Mm. That could have been a cool little Cosmo Craglin stuff connection between the two of them that eventually makes Craglin say, you are a good dog because you've not only helped me fight these monsters, but you've also helped me find the confidence in myself. Ah, you know, that would have been great. My buddy Tom Bambera has this, he's like, basically it's James Gunn's mom going, you need to put your brother into the movies. (laughs) (laughs) You need to give Sean something more to do than just be the mocap for Rocket. Yeah. All right, mom. I do. I do like Sean Gunn in in this role as Craglin, though. I I just feel like. I, I do feel like it, he was kind of underserved because they just made such a big deal about like, well, Craglin's part of the team now, Yeah, you know, yeah. and the marketing and the posters, it's Craglin yeah. with the other Guardians, you know? So I the fact they, that he's just like reg, uh, relegated to nowhere for the for most of, a big chunk of the movie was just strange. But he does come in, you know, with he, he flies, the pilots the ship in. You right, know, like yeah. When he finally does get to use the arrow, it's 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 nice cathartic moment of like, oh yeah, now he can do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's it, he doesn't get much, but what he does get, I think, was a lot better than any outing he's had so far. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's very true. And also, for me, that whole thing about bad dog, bad dog, and then finally at the end, good dog. He, she's a good dog. Or he's a good dog. That I, I enjoyed that part. I thought yeah, that was pretty yeah, well, totally. uh, a good payoff. Well, let, mm-hmm. let's jump back to the to the one shot hallway fight sequence. Ah. Because, my God, my mouth was gaping wide open. Like, I I could not stop being incredibly amazed by this sequence. Um, It looked so well done. I mean, I I don't know how James Gunn does it, man. I I think when I saw this sequence, I thought of the Suicide Squad with the fight sequence uh, between, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, John Cena and the other guy who gets stabbed in the heart. Idris Um, Elba. Or Peace- flag. Oh, oh, flag. Rick Flag. Rick Flag and Peacemaker, flag. when they're fighting each other and the helmets, like Peacemaker's helmet's on the floor and the camera's watching the helmet and moving from side to side and you see the fight sequence happening through the reflection of the mm, helmet. Yeah. Like that, I know that was a more, I guess, quote unquote, simpler shot to do uh, than this huge one shot fight sequence, but it felt that memorable to me. You know, like when I think of this movie, I'm always going to think of this freaking long fight sequence that was so freaking epic uh, you get to see the best in all the guardians how they work together yeah and not only that but in the fight sequences there are funny moments where you see reactions of bad guys right before they get their faces bashed in and peter quill throws a little bomb on someone's back and they start freaking out and they all show up at once and they all get shocked at once you know what i mean like mm. everything just flowed so well with each other what about you guys? What were your thoughts on this fight sequence? So good. I mean, I, I think this is the best team shot since Avengers 1. You know, like, yeah. agreed. Yeah. I agree. You know, it was, it, it hit on all cylinders. It was a long shot and it, it, everybody had their time to shine in it. And it, and it, like, that was like, I, rarely have we seen the kind of action you want from a team a team up like this. Like I would love to see X-Men pull off something like this. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That was, that was so much. And then of course, you know, no sleep till Brooklyn on top of all that. Just like, just, it was so badass. I mean, it really, it really made the scene. Oh God. And there were so many points where there was, there was this, this one part where I was, I was literally, I was wincing when Drax throws the knife at the guy's leg. And then he like, 
the guy like falls and then he his his leg like he twists around the knife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Remember like, that part? He, like pins him on the wall. Oh yeah, he pins yeah. him on the wall and then the guy like lets go of the ceiling and he's like twisting around the knife. Like his leg is twisting around the knife. I was like, oh my God. Jeez. Um there was some brutal, brutal action in this and some, you know, it was it was good. It was really good. I I love this scene to death. Now let's also talk about the 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 sequence between Rocket, Rocket Raccoon and the High Evolutionary at the end of this. And the little baby here. raccoons. The little baby raccoons. Yeah. He finally finds them and he oh. sees the sign that says, these are raccoons from Earth. So oh. officially he can say he's a raccoon yes. after all these years. I love that. I love that. My Rocket God. Raccoon. Well, okay. And that's now to me, the most satisfying death scene is mm. the High Evolutionary's death scene. Technically, right? Because I don't. I, he sort of dies in this, but from what I've heard, he gets, he gets beat. Yeah, from what he I heard, his, he, face. his he, faces. We see yeah. what happens. That's what Do it was. It. That's what it was. He gets his his mask ripped off. But the sequence where where High Evolutionary is going nuts on him and trying to throw him all around, and finally Rocket activates his boots. They land on the ground, and he goes, "It's Rocket Raccoon!" Boom! Like. That oh was, my the, god! It and was they, so satisfying. It set up the the gravity boots way early in the movie, and yeah. I totally forgot about them. Like, first, yeah. first five ten minutes of the movie was that setup too. Like, it was a good setup, and so then of course good. all the other guardians coming in too, and just like helping him out and yeah. letting him have it. Oh, oh my yeah. god! It was so again so brutal, but so freaking satisfying. Just it's watching like the high took, evolutionary just get beat to shit. It's like if you took the Hulk scene from Avengers where he grabs Loki and just starts slamming him <laughs> yeah. down on the, on the floor over and over, except yeah, yeah. with all of the guardians at once yeah. doing that. Oh, oh my God. It felt so good watching that, especially, especially after everything you've seen from him and just how vile and how just awful this guy is and everything he's done to, to, to rocket and Lila and Teefs and floor and just, just the seething evil from this man. And you freaking hate him so much to finally see this scene was just like, oh, it was so good. Yeah. So good. Now, I know James Gunn mentioned in an interview that apparently High Evolutionary survives and they took him to nowhere yeah. to go to jail. Really? I've heard. Huh. That's what I've been hearing. I don't I don't want to make that official confirmation, but that's that's the that's what I've heard people say from his interview. James James Gunn? Yeah. Said that or or he kind of that, alluded to it. They said that James Gunn said that High Evolutionary is now in nowhere in their prisons. Which I think if that is true, that is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, you're just asking for Kang the Conqueror to team up, you know? Like, oh yeah. I mean that would on. be pretty epic though, like to have that would be pretty epic. Because he's so evil. We hate him so much, but we didn't really get to see him get, you know. Yeah, that would undermine everything. It like, would. okay, you know what? Scrap majors, okay, like if you wanted to just bring back High Evolutionary and just say, yeah. I've learned from my yeah. mistakes, you know, just give Except him the. He like leaves his face off. He's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty gross. Yeah. After he feels his face. I was not expecting that level of gore in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I'd be yeah. totally okay with that. It's not the yeah. Kang dynasty, it's the, the Evolutionary's dynasty, the yeah. High Evolutionary <laughs> dynasty. <laughs> That's a long title. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> we'll workshop it. <laughs> well, then, gentlemen, moving on to our close to final scene stuff here. We got uh, in the aftermath, 
Uh, Quill leaves the Guardians, bestowing the captaincy to Rocket before leaving for Earth to reunite with his grandfather, Jason. Mantis embarks on a journey of self-discovery with the Obelisks. Gamora reunites with the Ravagers, and Nebula and Drax remain on Nowhere to raise the rescued children. Um, and also this opening theme song, or the closing song, was uh, Dog Days Are Over by yeah. Florence and the Machine. Yeah. Which I got to tell you, like James Gunn, he just knows what he's doing with these soundtracks, man. He knows exactly what song works for this situation. It was perfect. And the second time around when I watched it, I almost bawled my eyes out when Drax came up to all the kids and started kind of doing like this little slow dance right before Florence started singing again. And it's just like, ah, it's just this great party life. All I want to do is hug my best friends after the movie's over once this sequence happened. Um, but yeah, what what do you guys think of, how do you guys feel about the sequence? But also, uh, what do you guys think of each of these characters? Like, where are they going to go now in the future? Mantis is clearly going to go to the other side of town because that's where she wants to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to go over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. She didn't really leave nowhere, did she? Walk down the alley. <laughs> I'll be in the eyeball. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I have literally nowhere. I, I don't know where I'm going. Three giant cabalists. Can't uh, really travel with them, so we're going to hang out in the streets. We're homeless. <laughs> Can I can I just say really quick, going back to, to, to the previous scene when Quill Quill loses the Zune and then he goes back for it and then uh, he ends up he ends up in space. There's no way. There's no way, no way he would have survived that. No. There's just no freaking way. I mean, His he was starting to like puffs yeah. up, you know? Was yeah. like, that oh, should have been it. Know. Yeah, that's true. That was that was one of the one of the things about that about that part that was like mm, I don't, I don't know, man. He just wouldn't have survived, and it's Isn't just it? weird because that's that was one of the points. At different point, yeah, they do the Adam. I, I did know, like, like that. That was yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. the God and Adam touching fingers. Yeah, I, I thought. But also, he comes cool. out of like literally nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> that's right. Yeah, I just thought that was strange, and yeah, where were his rocket boots? Where is his mask? Like his little helmet? Where is? Where are those things in yeah. this movie? He did, had no did, helmet. Did he lose the rocket boots? Like, was this covered in a previous movie? Or I, I just, don't. I don't remember. I don't know. No idea. I don't even remember. He just but he doesn't to have bring them. them that day. The oh. whole movie, he doesn't have his rocket know. boots. He doesn't have his. You think that would have come in handy in that in that that sequence there? Hmm? But. Yeah, I thought that was strange that like he was out there in space for that long and his face started to get bloated and and then the next scene he's like fine. Fine. Like he's totally fine. He looks fine. There's the swelling is all has all gone down. I'm like, there's no way he would have survived that. They just took the magical uh medikit pack that he just put over <laughs> just put him on his put it on his face. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. All better. There you go. All fine. Yep. Um yeah, but I thought that was weird. But yeah, the rest of this, uh, I really like where they end this. And everybody has their thing that they're going to do now. Everybody's parting ways. And it is a satisfying ending. And it's just kind of, it's a feel-good ending, right? And especially after after the intensity, the emotional roller coaster we've kind of been through. It's it's nice that we get to settle here on, on this very positive note, this feel-good ending. Everybody's got their, you know, things that they're going to go do now. And so I don't know what it's kind of a I can't glean. I can't really speculate from here on out where we're going to see everybody again 
when we're going to see them again and how we're going to see them again, um, other than probably Secret Wars. But before then, you know, if we see any of these characters before then, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where they could fit in the other movies that are coming out. Uh, you know, you, you kind of beat me to it, Raul, because I was going to ask if you guys thought he was there were any of these guys were going to show up in other movies. Um, I Do you guys think they're going to do a Guardians movie again, but without these Guardians? Like, are they going to continue a Guardians franchise or would you guys rather have the current new Guardians group show up in just other movies and other stuff? Yeah, good. Yeah. One, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be nice to see Rocket and Groot because. You know, we get this final cutscene. Are we there yet? I don't think we're there yet. I'm skipping ahead. I mean, we we could we could probably talk about that because the next thing is the mid credit scene stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we we see that, that there's a new team, and Rocket and Groot are still on it. Yeah, I love that that Rocket is the leader now. I think yeah. it was earned. Yep, definitely. It just yeah. makes sense. It made sense, you know. That's why I, I'm really curious about the little girl with the white hair and the the one blue eye kind of thing. Yeah, where'd she her come power? from? She is so badass. Yeah, like oh, I know that she she came from the the white haired kids from yeah. the movie towards the end of the movie, right? I right. Mean, yeah, she was one of those kids, but yeah, I don't know what. What is her origin? What, what's 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 her deal? Yeah. Now is she the other show thing, up again later on with the other guardians. The other thing also is going back to the whole: Do we think a guardians movie is possible? I think I might actually want to say no to that because look at how many heroes we've got to talk about right now still. We've yeah. still got Moon Knight stuff to talk about, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, uh, Wanda is back as Scarlet Witch probably. Now we're adding uh, Ag- Agatha Harkness. We're adding all these other movies. We're doing the Thunderbolts. There's so many superheroes right now. Fantastic Four, Fantastic Deadpool. Four, Deadpool, like the X-Men, you know, like... We've got so many IPs that need to come into this franchise. We don't have time to do more Guardians movies, I think. Yeah, I think, I think they're done. I think Kevin Feige's probably looking at the, the possibilities of future Guardians movies and going, are you kidding? We're not going to stack up to James Gunn's Guardians movies. That's a, The last thing we need as, a, as the MCU is to make another Guardians movie now that James Gunn is gone. And if it flops... People can just go, ah, see, now that James Gunn's gone, Guardian sucks ass. Like, there's no I, way. I can see it. I, I can see it happening, but just not for a long time. Definitely post-Secret Wars. But I, I think until then, this new version of the Guardians, um, we probably won't see until Secret Wars. And and even even the older Guardians, too. Like, I'm convinced we're in Secret Wars, we're going to get Peter back. We're going to get Gamora. We're going to get everybody else back for one last kind of... Yeah, thing, as well as the new Guardians. And I know that, like, you know, uh, Dave Bautista, who plays Drax, has said things like, this is it. That's, this is my last rodeo. I don't want to play Drax again because I'm done. But, like, you're not going to do Secret Wars? Just one more last hurrah? Come on. You got to do one Come more. On. At least one more. Come on. Come on. Even, I even did notice. Robert he was Downey ta- Jr. said that, too. You know, like, Come on. Yeah, they, they've all said that. Yeah. No, I, I do remember that um, in interviews, Dave Bautista was talking about how, yeah, he's done... He doesn't want to, he's getting old now, so he doesn't want to have to, uh, uh, you know, he's not in, he's not going to be in as good uh, shape as, as he was before. So he's like, you know, with this third one, he was kind of close, getting close to being done with it. And I notice now he's got clothes on, like he's not shirtless anymore. Mm. You know, yeah. I wonder if that was Dave Batista going, don't put the makeup all over me. I don't want to do that again. Just give yeah. me a shirt. 
Yeah. Just just put makeup on my face and, and hands. Or a jacket or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, maybe it's just me, but like I, I think Dave Bautista's neck has looked a little chunkier as the movies have gone by. Oh, yeah. Which, hey, I mean that's just <laughs> That's know, why the vest Yeah, that's why the vest it by this movie. Like, who knows? Maybe he didn't work out as much as he could have. Because the first time he was like at the prime of his life, you know. Oh yeah, now he's what almost fifty. Yeah, he's he's yeah. played this character for almost ten years now. That's Ooh. kind of insane. Um, oh my god, yeah. Two thousand fourteen, right? Well, technically he's worked on it for ten years because he 54, started... he's fifty four years old. Oh, 54 wow, years he's old. he's wow. over fifty. Did well, not realize that. Yep. Definitely a dad. Definitely dad age. That's for sure. But uh, yeah. So let let me just real quick bring up the the mid credit scene, which I know we've already kind of dabbled in it. But the new Guardians team consists of Rocket, Groot, Cosmo, Kraglin, Adam, and Fila, one of the rescued children, and Adam's pet Blurp, as they take on a new mission. In a post credit scene, Quill eats breakfast with Grandpa Jason in a funny gag where his grandfather is reading a newspaper reporting Kevin Bacon's <laughs> alien abduction. Um, so yeah, I, I forgot that Adam's going to be part of the new guardians team. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, th- I think he's got a lot of growth to go through and, right. you know, you if do. they don't do a guardians movie, they're probably going to do something with the guardians somewhere else, you know, and cause we need to see Adam Warlock, you know, his, his character development. Um, but also the grandpa Jason one, I thought that was pretty funny with the whole Kevin Bacon alien abduction. Um, and it's only a funny thing if really, if, if you've watched the Christmas special, I suppose. Um, so yeah. I, I wonder what it was like for people who've never seen any of these movies before to come in and just watch this one. Um, would they have known who Yandu was when he showed up? Would they have known any, any jokes, any inside jokes from the end credit stuff here? I feel um, like anybody who hasn't seen any of them is probably not like, I'll just watch three. Yeah. At <laughs> this point. Probably like, true. <laughs> yeah. Who does yeah. that? Like, hey, I've seen the other two, but I'm just going to see it. It's yeah. fine. I didn't get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> two out of two. Two out of ten. I want to know if there are people who've just done that. Well, I'm sure there are, but, like, why? <laughs> yeah, go watch the other two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really want us to watch the other two. I just want to watch the third one. Well, like, technically, <laughs> if you watch number one and two, it means you got to watch Infinity War and then Endgame, and then you got to watch this one. Yeah. yeah you no, then you got to watch Thor. Thor, just the first ten minutes of Thor. And then this one. Well, I mean, it's better than watching the, what, 35 movies that they have now? How many movies is this now? In the 30s. It's enough. It's enough movies. That would be a good truncated marathon is just the Guardians films, Infinity War, Endgame, Thor, and then this. Yeah. And the holiday special. I was going to say two things. Uh, one, you get to see Adam Warlock's really goofy run at the end of this in this mid credit sequence. I'm going to pay attention to this <laughs> next time. Watch I got to see this. It's, it's goofy. And uh, and uh, I thought the dad did a very good job with the initial seeing Peter for the first time. And, and uh, immediately oh, right yeah. I got a little choked up at that. I did Same. too, yeah. Because yeah. we see him a little bit in the very first movie in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Grandpa. Oh, Grandpa. And, well, also, Grandpa, we, can't, we yeah. can't forget the famous, uh, the legendary Star Lord will return at the yeah. end of the, of the of the movie. Here had to do that, didn't they? Had uh, to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I just listening to Chris Pratt talk in interviews about how like he doesn't want to do any movies without James Gunn. Like, oh, I trust James Gunn with my life. That's all I want to do. Why would they tell us that he's coming back? 
but then not tell us maybe Mantis would come back or someone else is going to come back as well. Like, it, it, doesn't it make more sense to just kind of let Star-Lord go? Because it sounds like his story's over. Are we just going to yeah. keep him for Secret Wars? Because if that's the case, you didn't have to tell us that Star-Lord will return. You could say most of the Guardians of the Galaxy will return or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an I interesting think it's thing. I they don't have any idea what they're doing at this point. Is, yeah. <laughs> I think there's like a yeah. vague plan. They're kind of like, just like, if we could just recapture the magic of like pre-Endgame. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why not? Why not the Guardians will return? Why? why? I, I don't know. And also, I guess maybe because Quill is the one who's the farthest away from everybody else now. Like, yeah, that the, could be something. Everybody's kind of gone in their separate ways, but for the most part, Quill is like the farthest away from everybody that, uh, you know, as he could be. So maybe that's just like, just to remind you, it's like, well, you know, he's he's going back to Earth and he's reconnecting with his grandpa and all that stuff, but he'll be back. All but right, it was, it was it. kind of odd. Are you ready for this? Here's my theory. Uh, next, next time we see Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord, Star-Lord will find that humongous celestial whose arm is sticking out of the planet right oh, now. Oh, yeah. That no one freaking talks about yeah, until it's, now. It's in the water. Yeah. Chris Pratt or Star-Lord's going to find that statue thing on, on, in, the, in the Antarctic Ocean. And when he touches it, he gains the celestial powers and absorbs it just like mm. his father had. And he, he, he oh. returns, gets back all his celestial abilities in order to join the, the battle in Secret Wars. Actually, that's not bad. That's not bad. I do know, I, I have heard that Thunderbolts will address the, the celestial <laughs> oh, stuck, in the, stuck in the ground. Thunderbolts will address it. Oh, um, man, it's about time. Listen, I, I'm also going to say this. Like, I know Chris Pratt has had a lot of drama behind the scenes, like acting lifestyle wise or whatever. But as an actor, like performance wise, this movie, he nails this role, like nails it right out of the park, oh, yeah. man. It's it's the kind of thing where like when I saw Star-Lord will return, there was a part of me that was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Like, I, I am looking forward to seeing him again because I think he's a great charismatic character and really, really surprised me in this movie. Like I was telling you guys earlier. Um, what are they going to do with him? I don't know, but I like that celestial idea. So, you know, that's by the way, I love how Groot looks by the end of this movie. Yeah. That end credit. King Groot. Oh man. He looks like a badass. I want to see, I want to see all these, this new iteration of, Gu of the guardians. I want to see, I hope we get to see them again. Cause I want to see how they work. Mm -hmm. How does Warlock fit into it? Does Kraglin get more to do? Who is this girl? Uh, you know, Franklin says, you know, hey, you know, guys, I got it. And then like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you guys can take a break. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Cosmo, <laughs> what, what's, how's, how is this dynamic going to work? Yeah. Cosmo too. If you think about it, this team of the guardians is far stronger than the original team. Like again, yeah. you, you got the, the thing that can kill everybody in five seconds. Yeah. Groot is King Groot. Cosmo has telekinetic powers that could she could hold the planet of nowhere with the entire ship of the high evolutionary together. That's how strong her telekinetic powers are. Adam I mean, Warlock? War, Warlock. I mean, I mean, like, let's yeah. What what the heck? That's incredible. I don't know what the white haired girl does, but I, I'm sure it's going to be cool. Mm -hmm. um, she probably has like shouting gun or like, you know, some Naruto thing. Um <laughs> Okay, I'm canceled. Anyways, <laughs> you know, out of uh, out of ten raccoons, I give this movie ten raccoons out of ten raccoons. Wow. How about you guys? 
I'm gonna say nine raccoons. Nine raccoons. All right. Nine and a half, maybe. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. I, I, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm kind of in agreement with you guys. Nine, ten, but I'm just gonna say eight, just to, just to be different. Just because you guys said that. Out of eight but, or ten. but no, I actually, <laughs> in all seriousness, I do. I would say maybe about nine. Yeah. Nine, nine raccoons. This was a great movie. I, uh, I was so, maybe, maybe. Especially with the fact that we've just, I feel like we've just been starved of some like really good content coming from Marvel in both the films and the TV shows. It was just so refreshing to get a movie like this that had, you know, you connected it, you connected so well. It was fun to watch. It was, the the plot was really good. The character development was really good. It was satisfying. I mean, I'm I'm just so happy again to to just finally be like, okay, thank you. Yes, a good a good Marvel movie, a Marvel movie I loved, mm. uh, which hasn't happened in a while. I haven't felt like that in a while. So hell yeah, I agree. Ted, any last thoughts from you? Um, you know, I uh, yeah, I gotta say I agree <laughs> on all those fronts. It was really a good time. You know, I thought I liked, um. And- Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, okay. But then I saw this and was like, oh, yeah, that was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no. this, this movie makes Ant-Man and the, and the Quantum whatever just seem like a very ant-sized film, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> see what, yeah, yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. Very good. Well, then, you guys, with that all being said, we made it to the end. Woo-hoo! Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow us on Instagram at Real Geek News. You can also follow our separate handles on Twitter and Insta at Kevin A. Rivera VO and at Raul Ceballos VO. Ted, tell us where we can find you. Ted Evans VO. Ted Evans VO. No, no, at the end of our handles. <laughs> we got VO, baby, all day, every day. Raul. <laughs> I have you after being in this hot closet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, we got a YouTube channel, guys. We put all our episodes, all our monthly episodes, all our movie reviews, including this one right here. We put it all up there. And uh, also, if you want to help us boost the quality of our show and help people, uh, more people be aware of it, please go on iTunes, leave us a good review, and uh, we really would appreciate it. Finally, want to share your passionate thoughts and opinions about movies? Any movie reviews you'd like us to do? Well, then send us an email at realgeeknews at gmail.com. We'll leave all the descriptions below. With all that being said, stay clay. Stay safe. Stay classy. And I really butchered this one. Most important of all, stay geeky, my friends. Holy shit.